Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. to another edition of the Full 10 Yards NFL podcast and a big hello to whoever it is in New Zealand that has us as one of their podcasts. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that this week, fellas. The, the fact that somebody in New Zealand is trying to decipher my black country accents is absolutely marvellous, but uh, all joking aside, welcome in. Listeners, old and new, wherever you are, we massively appreciate it. Let's bring the boys in. Uh, Steve, welcome in, mate. How are you this evening? Yeah, not bad. Fresh after having to make a decision I never thought I'd ever have to make, which was whether to watch an NFL game or a World Cup knockout football game when they were both on at the same time, which is not something that's ever going to happen ever again, probably. So, yeah, but managed to get them both on two wins. Excellent stuff. Yeah, it was a bit of a dollar. It was the only week I've ever, ever wanted a 9.25 kick, but there you go. <laughs> being, being each coast, it was never likely to happen, was it? Josh, how are you doing, pal? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty much the same uh, dilemma as the pair of you. I ended up deciding to stick with the England game first and then saving myself the uh, the Cleveland game until afterwards. The problem being is that NFL Shop decided to email me saying, um, what a fantastic victory for the Browns at about like nine o'clock directly after the game. So it was nice and ruined, but hey, it was all in a nice way at least. It was indeed, mate. It was indeed. We'll get on to that game, as indeed we will all of the Sunday games very shortly. But let's uh, cast our minds back, fellas, to Thursday. Uh, a bit of a routine victory, wasn't it, for the Buffalo Bills? 24 points to 10 over the New England Patriots. Uh, with other results that have gone their way this week, the Bills back up all of a sudden to the number one seed in the AFC altogether after at some points recently looking like they might even have to scrap away for a wild card. So good, um, good results. But Steve, should we have some concerns with Josh Allen? Because again, not exactly a stellar performance. Efficient enough, twenty-two of thirty-three, two hundred and twenty-three yards. But it's certainly not the same Josh Allen that we saw in the first sort of seven or eight weeks of the season. You know, in terms of Buffalo being sort of lots of people Super Bowl favourites, do we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit? The Bills just, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, they just look like a team that always want to take the most difficult route to winning. They don't seem to get it done easy. They don't seem to win too many easy games this season and they make it look difficult. Now, obviously, that doesn't really matter come January if you've got plenty of numbers in the win column and not many in the loss column. But they just seem to go about it in very difficult ways. And, and, you know, they started the season with that win in Arrowhead um, in that rematch of the of the. Um, uh, the playoff game last year. But since then, they've just had a couple of iffy results, especially that loss against the Jets that sticks out. Now, obviously, this game was a win, and it was, like you said, more of a routine win than anything else. Uh, this Patriots team didn't really offer a huge amount, which I think we've grown used to the Patriots doing over the last couple of seasons. They'll be there or thereabouts come playoff times, but they're not they're not the Patriots of all. They're certainly not the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots. Um, but, the, yeah, the, 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 the Bills just made it look a bit more difficult. You know, apart from 
Josh Allen's absolutely monumentally good pass that he threw whilst he was in the air about to go out of bounds for a touchdown, which was insane. Um, apart from that, they, they they sort of took the time. You know, it was a fairly routine win. They didn't really seem to be too troubled, but they, they made hard work of it at times. And, you know, in the uh, they actually only barely won the second quarter with that, that with that touchdown. Um uh, in the in the in the fourth quarter, so it's you know it's, it was it was wasn't the most convincing of wins from Buffalo. At the end of the day, at this point in the AFC, um, it's just about putting wins on the board, and obviously some results went their way this week. Some big results in the AFC, especially in that division, went their way. So they'll definitely be pleased with that. Um, interesting stat for you as well is uh, Josh Allen became the first player in NFL history with three seasons of 25 passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. Um, so he's, he's proving that he can do it all. He's you know he's got that ability to rush when he needs to, um, and obviously we have to remember that Von Miller's just got an IR as well. I think they put him on just before the or just after the game. It was one or the other. So they're going to do it without Von Miller for a, for a four weeks or so now, um, which is interesting to see how that affects their defense moving forward. But you know the Bills again once again have enough on offense to get it done. Um, you know, wasn't convincing at times, but the other day they moved to nine and three, and with Kansas City and Miami losing. It's a big win for them. It'll feel much bigger now than it did on Thursday night, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Everything certainly went in their favour. And uh, we might as well go to those games next. We'll try and do it a little bit uh, geographically based if we can. Um, so, yeah, Miami went down 33-17 to San Francisco. I really fancied the 49ers heading into this one. Josh, I thought it was a good matchup. I think the 49ers have looked as good as anybody in recent weeks, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Bowes is looking absolutely phenomenal. Um, but obviously, there was massive concern in this game early doors when Jimmy Garoppolo went down. Um, but, you know, we shouldn't have put it, should we? Brock Purdy comes off the bench and looks relatively competent. And it was actually a really, really good all-round performance from San Francisco. Um, and it was wrapped up, of course, with a defensive touchdown, which was really probably the icing on the cake. And you know, for the performance, it was probably what they deserved. Yeah, you know, um, this this is the blueprint of a very, uh, you know, very stereotypical San Francisco win. You know, you can plug anybody in, but the system still works. And you, you know that that's something that will suit Carl Shanahan down to the ground. They've, he's always been quite resourceful in. You know, with the 49ers op- operation as, you know, anyone can plug in and play. I think that Brock Purdy probably, um, you know, I think that he will have benefited from the fact that there's not much tape on him. They're having to completely change, you know, change the way that which they defend him because of the fact that they don't know anything about him as well. So he's able to exploit that a little bit. You do see that with... Uh, with guys who come in off the cuff, there's usually some sort of bounce and maybe a bit of adrenaline that uh, does do, does help somewhat. You know, his stat line isn't bad, really, for um, the type of quarterback he is. You know, 25 or 37 for 210 yards and two TDs. Um, for, the, for the 49ers, it was all about the defense, though, as you say. You know, being able to really stymie Miami on the ground. They had 33 rushing yards. You know, when you make them one-dimensional, you're able to take the game to them, and that's what San Francisco are really good at doing this season. I fancied them all all through the year. I think that this is going to hurt them. You know, don't get me wrong, Jimmy Garoppolo being out for the rest of the year is really going to hurt them. There's reports coming out that Baker Mayfield might now um, 
you know, you know, head up the 49ers. Now he's been allowed release by the Carolina Panthers. I refuse to believe that uh, the timing is a coincidence. I fully expect some sort of news, either that or a uh, potential move to block such a move. Um, but you know, there's there's definitely some irons in the fire going on there. It's going to be a tough slog for them going forward, but this shows that the 49ers defense can stop, you know, even the most explosive of offenses, and especially in the running game, which is so important. Yeah, it was an extremely, extremely good performance. Like you say, I mean, Miami didn't really even attempt to run it. Um, you know, only eight rushing attempts on the day. Uh, but Tua looked really rattled for the first time in weeks, although Tyreek Hill still had himself a monster of a day. Um, just on the Baker Mayfield thing, obviously, like I said, that's news that's broke today. It's interesting, isn't it, really? I don't think anybody is particularly concerned about Baker Mayfield massively improving any team. Um, we'll obviously wait and see whether he ultimately does end up there. But we've, we've just speculated on this on, a, on another podcast in terms of you know, where he might end up and all of those type of things. If you actually look at the standings as things are, um, in terms of the, the sort of waiver priority, San Francisco are obviously way down the sort of waiver priority. So there is obviously the opportunity for for other teams to, you know, potentially jump in there and obviously make that claim. But when you actually look at it in terms of teams that it might benefit, realistically, outside of probably the two teams in the AFC South, that being the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Is it really worth anybody else taking a swing on Baker Mayfield, Steve? I can't really see anybody that would even bother taking the swing. I mean, if if their, if their record wasn't as bad as it was, I would say the LA Rams could definitely take a swing because he instantly improves that offence um, whilst... Um, Stafford's out, but they're already at nine losses. So what's the point? Um, I, I see what you I see exactly what you're saying. I don't know what the point. Maybe the Falcons. Maybe I think they've they've sort of a bit had enough with Mariota. I know there was questions asked in the press conference this week of, of Arthur Smith and whether or not they're going to move on from Mariota. And maybe it might be time for Desmond Ritter. We don't know. But yeah, apart from that, who else is going to? You know, the, the books aren't going to replace Tom Brady, are they? You know, the Seahawks aren't going to. I'm going to get him in over Geno Smith. So, you know, the only thing I could see is, like you said, Josh, is one of the NFC West teams claiming just to block the 49ers getting him. But as soon as he was released, all of the pundits were saying, you know, oh, that's a San Francisco signing lined up straight away. And it does seem sort of written on paper because I, I absolutely agree with what you said. Like the, the Shanahan offense is designed so that a, a half competent quarterback can plug and play and they can get results. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be you know, an air raid offense like Miami ironically has been the last few weeks, but they, they can plug someone in as Brock Purdy proved and they can get some decent results. You know, he didn't blow the world away, but I think that was a pretty good line for someone that came in and had played, I think he played one snap of professional ball up until Sunday. So, you know, that's a pretty good line for someone who had that that behind him. But um, I mean, just just quickly want to touch on the, the Niners now that their, their playoff chances, I think, Losing Jimmy G is a massive loss. They've obviously already lost one quarterback. Losing a second is huge. That defense is excellent. I said this before, like that defense is the best in the league. There's no doubt about that. But losing Jimmy G means that all of a sudden the point on the other side of the board is really difficult and that becomes more of a problem. 
Um, and yes, you know, if your defense can hold teams to, to 15 to 20 points every game, that's great. But if your offense isn't scoring any more than a touchdown and a couple of field goals, then you're going to lose games. So that's really hampered their chances, I think, because I had them down as probably the best team in the NFC until Jimmy G went down. So that's a big, big loss for them. Um, and just quickly on Tua, I thought he, this was a back down to earth game for him. In the first half, he looked dreadful. After that long pass to Trent Sherfield in the, in the first snap of the game, first play of the game, which was a wonderful pass and a wonderful play from Sherfield, I thought Tua looked dreadfully. Looked, they were getting up on him in his face. He was throwing guys wide open and missing shots and two interceptions um, sacked three times uh, rating of 79.7 like he wasn't great um, he had his moments in the second half where he tried to bring it back but this was a sort of come down to earth game for Tua um, and let's hope that he gets this out of the out of the system before they go to the playoffs because I think this Miami team could go deep you know Tyreek served himself a day um, but I think until they can hopefully they can get out of the system and they can move on from that because uh, they need to yeah, definitely. A bit of a, a back down to earth game. Um, the other game in that AFC East division that we kind of referenced was the New York Jets. They also fell this week to the Minnesota Vikings, 27 points to 22. Um, another game that the Vikings have just about done enough to, to win. Um, but I think the Jets will be encouraged by what they were actually able to produce in this one as well. well you know, Mike White continues to, you know, it's, it's an unbelievable difference, isn't it? You know, he's thrown for 369 yards in this one. All of a sudden, uh, you know, an offense is, is all of a sudden looking really, really quite explosive. Garrett Wilson, 162 receiving yards from eight receptions. Uh, it's not very often that somebody has a more impressive stat line than Justin Jefferson when it comes to a Vikings game, but certainly Garrett Wilson managed to do it this week. Um, Steve, I'm going to come back to you because Josh is appearing to have a few sort of IT issues. So let's get your sort of final line on the AFC side of things. In terms of the Jets, like I said, I think they'll be encouraged by this, but it's, it's getting to the stage of the season now, isn't it, where all of these losses become absolutely massive and you know it's a, it's a game that was possibly there for the taking that ultimately they couldn't quite get over the line. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the Jets, and at one point they were, what was it, six and two, I think they were at one stage, and now they're seven and five. Like, all of a sudden, their season's flipped around very, very quickly. Um, and Mike White, whilst he, you know, he had a decent day for 370 yards, he also attempted 57 passes. That's a hell of a lot of times so actually quite like to throw the ball. Like, that's a lot. And no touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, you know, that, again, we talk about back down to earth games, like that might have been a little bit of a one for the Jets. But, you know, fair play to the Jets. They kept it alive and they were alive until the last play of the game where they threw interceptions in the red zone. You know, so it's, they, they, they were marching down that field and were, were sort of seconds away, one bad throw away from winning it all. And this is what the Vikings have done all season. They've, they've you know, lived and died by the, the, the seat of their pants, shall we say, because they've won so many close one-score games that I think a lot of people are refusing to buy buy stock on the Vikings because one of these days it's going to come back to haunt them. And all it takes is to, for them to play a half-decent team in the playoffs and suddenly this you know, 10-2, what are they going to finish? Maybe 13-14 maybe wins. All of a sudden this 13-win season comes straight, collapsing all the way down because they've played a half-decent team and, and, and been shocked. So um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying the Vikings so much. I think they've, they've got a good play caller. I think Kevin O'Connell was a great hire. Um, I think that defense needs to get a bit better, um, and I think they need um, 
to be a bit more consistent in terms of actually putting teams to bed and, and actually putting off games. Um, but in terms of the Jets, one I certainly will say Garrett Wilson had himself a day. A lot of people starting to call for him as maybe an offensive rookie of the year candidate. I think that's certainly in with a shout. Like he's been excellent this year yeah. and, and been in at times a poor Jets defense uh, offense. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good pickup from the from the Jets. I think they're they're a season too early. The Jets. I think they need another season. They need to figure out what's going on with Zach Wilson. But the the pieces are definitely there. Joe Douglas is building a hell of a roster there. I didn't think I'd ever say that about the Jets, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. So that wraps up the AFC East. So let's move elsewhere. And it was a good day if you were in the AFC North because every team in the AFC North won yesterday. But let's start, Josh, with the Cincinnati Bengals because uh, that ties in with why it was an excellent weekend for Buffalo because they knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs, which dropped the Chiefs down now to the number two seed. More importantly, I guess, for the Bengals, from their perspective, it keeps them very much on the tails of the Baltimore Ravens, who I think are, let's put it this way, it feels very much similar to what happened last year with the Baltimore Ravens. They were able to win a load of close games that they probably shouldn't have won, and then eventually the season went and spiralled downwards. It feels as though that may be just around the corner with the news of Lamar Jackson's injury, which we'll touch on when we get to that game. But in terms of this one, mate, 27-24, the Bengals over the Chiefs. Um, we're expecting to see a lot of this matchup further on down the down the line and over the years, aren't we? Mahomes against Burrow. Is it essentially the new Brady versus Manning? You know, we'll see how often they actually do get to play against each other. Um, but a really, really big win for the Cincinnati Bengals, mate. Yeah, another massive win. Uh, realistically, this came down to which defence would actually step up. And once again, it was the Bengals' defence. I think it's probably something of which is underplayed um, in terms of discussing these games. We we tend to look at the offenses and which offense ends up coming out on top. And you know, when you look at um, you know the total yardage being four three one against three four nine, you know you can sort of get lost in it. But the Bengals' defense, time after time, does come out on top over Patrick Mahomes. They just seem to have. They, they just seem to know what to do against him. You know, he was he, he was prevented from going beyond 223 yards in the air, 16 completions of 27 passes. This is not a Patrick Mahomes stat line. You know, rushing, they were able to do a lot more rushing, 138 yards. But ev- even then, you know, you look at you look at the, the other side of the ball and the Bengals are just, you know, there's just more about them, more passing yards, more rushing yards. Um, you know, better players by the looks of it. It does seem to be that the Bengals have the Chiefs number, even if the Chiefs are able to to get by everybody else. It, it does seem that the Bengals are a Chiefs bogey team, which is particularly annoying to me because they stopped me from cashing out on a £475 uh, accumulator last night. Needed the Chiefs mm-hmm. minus two and a half, but... Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey has done a lot against me in uh, both support, both a fandom of Cleveland, but also just uh, in general not coming up when I need him the most. This being the uh, latest in a long line of them. Um, but the Bengals are showing themselves to be better than, especially their early season showed them to be. 
and also coming at the right time as well because they have got a terrible slate coming for them still, even past the Chiefs. So they're going to have to keep this going. They've got a bogey side in Cleveland next. Uh, and then afterwards, they, you know, it's still difficult all the way through to the finish for them. Yeah, big win. It may well be that we see this game again later on in the season. Like I said, there just seem to be two teams that their paths just seemingly do cross with regularity. Uh, like I said, every team in the division won, though. We won't spend too much time on the other three games because none of them were particularly brilliant, but we will go through them all. I just mentioned there about the Baltimore Ravens. They squeaked over the line after being behind for the entire game against the Denver Broncos, and they've managed to take the lead for the first time with around about 30 seconds left. Tyler Huntley scrambling up the middle for a two-yard touchdown. Um, I've got to say, the Ravens for the last few weeks have really been quite fortunate to keep getting some of these Ws back-to-back, and this is yet another example. Um, They're really struggling to produce anything Offensively, um, you know, between the two quarterbacks yesterday, I mean, look, Lamar hardly played, did he? he attempted four passes on the day yesterday. Um, he was out for the vast majority of the game, but between the two quarterbacks, less than 200 yards of, of passing offense. The run game is seemingly non existent. You know, Gus Edwards, six for 12 yards, Kenyon Drake, seven for 29 yards. You know, they're just not getting anything done, Steve, on that side of the ball. They were just fortunate they came up against the most impotent of offences in the Denver Broncos and 10 points was enough to win this because, yet again, if the Denver offence could score more than 18 points, they'd probably now be, what would it be, 9-2 and two now or something like that? This... Yeah, 10-1, I think, if they could score more than 17 points or more. Yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. If the if the Broncos can't beat a Lamarless Baltimore team... Who can they beat? Like, Lamar came out of this game after four passing attempts. So they had Tyler Huntley for probably 90 to 95% of the snaps. And they still couldn't get it done. They scored nine points, not a single touchdown, three field goals. Um, Russell Wilson continues to baffle in how dreadful he's been. I still can't believe they that uh, Hackey hasn't been fired. Um, I wonder if they're waiting until it's mathematically done and then they will get rid of him. Um but yeah, as much as the, the the Broncos continue to baffle in the sense of how bad they are, the Ravens, as you say, continue to baffle in how much they keep winning. The Ravens are a bit like the, the Vikings in the sense that they keep putting notches in the W column, but you're not quite sure how they're doing it. Um, you know, is this a sign of a good team that they just keep winning? And 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 maybe actually when it comes to the playoffs, they might you know transform into a into a into a good team. But I just don't see it. Like you said, none of their victories have been convincing. This was a one-point victory in a 10-9 score, which is, I don't know if that's a score of Garmy, but um, certainly not one I've seen in a long time. Um, and they're just, it's just, I know any other team, they'd have lost this. I think pretty much, maybe bar, bar the Houston Texans, I think almost any other team in the NFL, they'd have lost this game. Um, but they get the W, they get it done. Um, and apparently Lamar is week to week. He's, it's not like a serious one. It looked, apparently looked pretty bad, uh, but it's not a serious one. It's, he's week to week. Um, so he should be back next week, and it's just interesting to see how the you know a lot of us I think had the Ravens as our our sort of locking for the AFC North, um, especially as a as a worst to first contender as well. But you look at their remaining schedule; they've got the Steelers, the Browns, the Falcons, the Steelers, and the Bengals. You know, if they're not careful, the the Browns and the Bengals games they could they're both away from home; they could easily lose both of those, and then you know two out of three of the Steelers and the Falcons they could be 
you know, two and three closing out of the season and then finishing 10 and seven and what is a pretty sort of, uh, you know, average season. They, they need to put their ideas up if they're going to go deep in these playoffs because the teams at the top of the AFC have proved that they, you know, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills have proven that they're, they're not to be pushed over. So if this, if this uh, Ravens team does hold on and win the AFC North, I think whoever's travelling to uh, the Baltimore in January could have themselves a pretty a pretty good game to get themselves through in a wild card slot. I think. Yeah, definitely, they'll certainly be uh, the one people want based on the way things are. I'll be surprised if they do hang on. Like I say, I think that Lamar week to week. We've heard that before, haven't we? That could end up being yeah. two or three weeks, and then, like I say, before you know it, you know the, these games. Once we get to this stage of the season, each game just becomes huge, doesn't it? A win or a loss, and all of a sudden things change dramatically. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to try and make it so that Mike Tomlin still doesn't get that losing season. Up to five and seven now. Uh, they take out the Atlanta Falcons by 19 points to 16. The Falcons really, again, disappointing after seemingly being in a good position a few weeks ago. They've now lost four of the last five games to slip back to five and eight. Um, Kenny Pickett still, you know, showing some signs that he might have a little bit of something. Um, you know, but again, dominant defence sealed by another Minka Fitzpatrick interception. Uh, Steelers, like I say, up to five and seven. And then the final game and the final team in that division, obviously Cleveland, we mentioned it last week, um, Deshaun Watson's first game in 700 days. Felt like his first game in about 7,000 days, to be honest, the way he was throwing the football. It was pretty awful. Uh, Plenty into the ground, not much chemistry with the wide receivers, as you would probably expect. But for the first time in Cleveland history, they score three touchdowns and not one of them comes from the offence. Two defensive touchdowns and a special teams punt return. Um, Josh, very quickly, just some thoughts on it. I know we've just done the Believe in Brits podcast for any Browns fans that want a more in-depth review of it, but just in a summary, mate, Deshaun Watson's debut. I think it's safe to say plenty of room for improvement. Yeah, basically, if you're not a fan of the trade or the person, go and watch this game because you will feel a hell of a lot happier. There's a lot of booze. There's a lot of playing as if it's affecting him. And there's... Honestly, I can't think of anything positive to say about his game. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there is there is a lot to improve upon. Just, just because people said that there might be rust. This isn't rust. This is, this is something a lot more. He... he you know, he's not throwing the ball right. And for the most expensive quarterback in history, by means of his guaranteed money contract, it doesn't bode well for the Browns currently. Of which, you know, perhaps that's the karma. All I know is that it hurts me greatly. Yeah, certainly, certainly things to improve upon. I'm not quite as damn big as what Josh is, but uh, yeah, like I say, check out Believe in Brits podcast. Any Browns fans that want more in-depth analysis of that. Um, right, let's move away from the AFC, fellas, and let's move into a bit more of the NFC. Um, and we'll start with the Dallas Cowboys, who, when, when I woke up early hours of the morning and I looked at the score, I thought, oh, this is a competitive Sunday night football. I think it would just got 19 points to 21. And then the next time I woke up, which was obviously when I was supposed to actually wake up, the Cowboys racked 33 points in the fourth quarter, Steve. I mean, you've said for a few weeks now, this is the team that you're most worried about. 33 points in a quarter. 
I mean, that takes some doing first and foremost. And like I say, just an absolute annihilation in the end. Um, in, in what was said, what was a pretty competitive game for three quarters of it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, they've become. I think it was the the fourth team or the third team in NFL history to score thirty plus points in the fourth quarter alone. So that in itself is an impressive statistic. Um, I, you know, again, not to take anything away from the Cowboys because, you know, it's, as an Eagles fan, it's difficult for me to not sound biased. But, you know, I've said before, and I've, you can listen to it plenty of times, the Cowboys are definitely a good side this year. They are the one that I worried about if we do come across them in the NFC picture before the Super Bowl. But um, how much of this is just complete inefficiencies from the Indianapolis defence? Um, because in the... Uh, in the fourth quarter, when Dallas scored their first touchdown, um, it starts with a, with an offensive touchdown, and then there's a fumble touchdown, which, which is like 18 seconds later. Uh, then there's an interception um, at the Indianapolis four, uh, four, sorry, the Dallas 47, which leads to a touchdown three plays later. Then there's another interception at the Dallas 28. Which leads to another touchdown five yards, five plays later. Then there's a fumble at the uh, Indianapolis 29, uh, which leads to another touchdown three plays later. So, what this is, is some incredible efficiency from the Dallas offense. Do not take that away from them. But it's also really, really poor play from both the Indianapolis Colts offense and their production, their ability to keep hold of the ball, and their defense are just unable to stop the absolute steamroller that was the uh, the Dallas offense in the fourth quarter. But you know, take nothing away from them. This is an incredible performance. Um, you know, that Prescott barely even threw the ball because they were giving him such short yardage situations. You know, you only had 170 yards when you score 54 points and you only had 170 yards. And you might think, okay, well, maybe the running game went off. 220, yes, that's a lot, but at 54 points, you thought it might be almost double that. But, you know, it was just an incredibly efficient performance from Dallas. They continue to roll. In the NFC this week, every team that is up there in the picture won. And it seems to be the case every week for the last, like, four or five weeks. The, you know, the top four teams up there, the Eagles, the, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Vikings, all won. We'll, we'll forget about the the NFC South for for now, but the, all four teams all kept winning, and they are, they have all been winning for for a good few weeks now. And whoever trips up first, it's almost like whoever blinks first. But yeah, another really impressive performance from the Cowboys. Um, they're, they're just like the Eagles; their schedule is really easy, um, and it'd be interesting to see what happens to them when they come up against someone that even might be half decent. Um, I don't know if they've got anyone decent before the end of the season. I mean, the Eagles game on Christmas Eve is looking like a real tasty one. Um, they've got Texans and Jaguars next to great. So they're going to win both of those. And then they've got the Eagles, Titans and Commanders. So there's every chance that the Cowboys could win out. You know, that Eagles game is the big one. Um, so, yeah, real, really interesting times in the NFC. Indeed, indeed. Uh, NFC pretenders or contenders? That's what we said last week, Josh, in terms of the Giants and the Commanders. A tie was exactly what we wanted. further <laughs> along from knowing. Um, yeah, 20 apiece tie. Um, one of those awkward ones, wasn't it? Because coming down the stretch in overtime, it's like, yeah, both teams probably could have really done with gambling to try and win it. But then obviously, like I've just said, losing at this stage would have also been... You know, a real, real gut shot. So I suppose really a tie suited them both to some extent. It's very rare that a tie ever feels like it suits teams in the NFL. 
Um, but like I say, it probably did suit both teams in the end in this one. But I think what it did show was these are two very similarly matched teams, as obviously the records and this result would obviously now suggest. Um, you know, but ultimately, again, similar to what we were saying earlier, the New York Giants out to that rip roaring start. All of a sudden, you look at it now, seven, four, and one, getting back to a bit more of a middling type record. Um, you know, so I think these two teams would both be pretenders if it did, you know, if either of them do end up in the postseason, wouldn't they? They would, and you know, I I was able to sort of see the the ticker go back and forth. And, you know, been able to watch it back and look at the box scores and all the rest of it. And if you're a Washington fan today, I think you're a little disappointed. Um, you know, you, you get you get the score to bring it back to the time. Like you say, it's probably better to, you know, you know keep it at that and then go for go for OT, etc. But realistically, how you actually let the game go for so long anyway, without being able to actually get Get into the get get into the game earlier in regulation, despite really having the upper hand on the Giants. That, that you know they've they've outplayed them in almost every aspect, and they end up being you know on you know second best in terms of momentum all the way through, even though they seemingly had the upper hand, um, you know in practically every facet. So you know if this was if this was boxing, the Commanders would have probably have won on points. Um, but the way that it is, it's a tie, um, and what and what this probably means is a uh, incredibly interesting winner takes all game next time out uh, when they face each other. It's the week after next, I believe, isn't it? Giants Commanders, the um, the return fixture. I believe they've got a uh, a week where they see other people, and then they're back at it again. And uh, that one definitely has a faux knockout element to it now. Yeah, it certainly does. Like I say, it's probably a result that ultimately probably does suit both teams to some extent. It certainly keeps them both in contention anyway. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Talk about a team keeping in contention, Steve, just about clinging on by their fingernails. The Green Bay Packers um, come from behind, score 18 unanswered in the fourth quarter to defeat the Chicago Bears. Um, the Bears seemingly, you know, <laughs> don't forget they were 500 at one stage, now all the way down to three and ten. We said then that they didn't feel like a very good team. They're actually the first NFC team eliminated from playoff contention officially, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Packers, um, like I said, mate, found a way to get it done. And Christian Watson, after a difficult start to the season, has proved to be quite the weapon in the last few weeks. Yeah, got himself uh, had himself another game with another touchdown with a 46-yard reception. Um uh, yeah, you know, it's it's he's um he's becoming that re- reliable receiver that Rogers has been looking for for the last thirteen weeks, um, and this was a signature Rogers fourth quarter comeback. This is what Rogers has built his career on is is those you know the classic line of you've got two minutes left on the clock, you're down by a score, who do you want the ball in the hands of? You know, more often than not, you would have said Aaron Rodgers up until this season. Um, and this is what he's so good at. And he led the team down the league to three separate scores in the fourth quarter for them to score, like you said, 18 unanswered to take the game. Um and this was almost vintage Rogers at times. You know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't the the sort of air raid offense with three touchdowns and 400 yards. It's only 182. It wasn't the best performance in terms of numbers, but he was efficient. He did what he needed to do. This, the, I think, Green Bay's uh, best 
um, line of attack now is actually their run game, keeping the ball on the ground. They had 175 rushing yards. AJ Dillon had himself a game. 18 carries, 93 yards, average of 5.2 with a, with a touchdown. Christian Watson had one carry for 46 yards, so he had a, good, a touchdown. So he's he's padding out that stat sheet. But you know they, they had a really good attack on the ground, and he started to throw it around a bit as well. And you know that Lazard, Watson, Dylan, and, and Aaron Jones were all targeted more than more than three times a piece. Um, um, so he's you know maybe he's trying to find a, start, starting to find a bit of chemistry. But you know this is the Bears, like you said, they're now out of playoff contention. Rogers owns the Bears anyway. He always beats the Bears. So, you know, forgive me for not looking too much into this. I think this is a straightforward Packers win, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're straight back on the lock sheet next week. This Packers team is done for the season. I don't know why they don't put Love in and just see what they've got with him because Rogers is, you know, days are numbered, I think, in Green Bay. Yeah, like I say, still just about clinging on. Uh, they are, however, trying to keep pace, Josh, in their own division with the Detroit Lions, who had a hell of a statement win, um, 40 points to 14 over Jacksonville. Jacksonville off the back of an impressive victory the week prior, um, but ultimately a nasty-looking hit to Trevor Lawrence, which I think everybody winced at and thought, oh, that's the end of Trevor Lawrence's season in all likelihood. It was great to see him actually get back out on the field. Um, but it was just a dominant performance on the Lions from start to finish, mate. Yeah, these are these are two teams that flattered to deceive at the best of times, and the the Jags have kind of been going from the uh, from the seat of their pants um, at many times this season. We've already talked about the Ravens having you know issues in terms of putting teams away, and that was an issue last week against the Jags. Uh, this time around, they just had a team that was incredibly hungry for a victory, and you know Detroit just ran all over them. Obviously, the um, the Trevor Lawrence of it all was an issue. Um, they weren't able to get anything going on the ground either. You know, they, they in fact both teams found it quite difficult to to rush. 195 rushing yards between the two tells a story, but the Lions on offense were. You know, just untamed. Jacksonville did not have an answer for them through the air. Um, I think Jared Goff had something like 340 yards. You know, that will tell you as to just how much fun they had yesterday in terms of throwing the football. And when you give a team 340 passing yards, there's not too much you can do there. The Lions got out early. The Jags couldn't come back um, at all. This game was done by half time. Um, I think that anyone that had any delusions that Jacksonville were going to get something done in the second half of the season um, after a few um, a few blips of light have been well and truly uh, put down now because it, it's very much just looking like another year of just growth, really, more than anything else for the Jags. Meanwhile, the Lions, the Lions are interesting. They just can't get consistent. That's the main problem with the Lions. They they need more consistency to be feared by teams. At the moment, they just seem to just take shots. Um, you, you know, they they just seem to try and you know punch whoever's in front of them and see if they fall. Jacksonville fell. Yeah, it's interesting you say that though. I mean, you know, they've won four of the last five. Now that defeat was a, a last minute Buffalo Bills field goal as well on Thanksgiving. So. Yeah, they, they, they've scored points at will all season. And, um, I mean, just a word on this this offence. I think, you know, you've only got to look at the drives summary from, from Sunday. This this is the Lions' drives. They had nine possessions, 
touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, end of game when they took a knee. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, seven plays, seven plays, nine, eight, 11, 10, 12, 12. They were just sustained drives. Um, you know, Amon Ross and Brown has got to be in contention for being up there as, as the best receiver in the league because he does this consistently week in and week out in terms of touchdown receptions were also just the volume of balls that he catches, you know, another 11 for 114 yards in this one. Um, I think there's lots to be excited about if you're a Detroit fan. And if I was going to have a bit of an outside punt on a team coming up on the rails to take that final wildcard spot. It may well be Detroit is the team that you're looking at at the moment in the NFC, um, you know, because I certainly trust the Lions more than I would anybody in the NFC South. Um, you know, by that, I would also probably extend that to, you know, do I think that the Lions are a better team than, you know, the Giants and the Commanders? I'd certainly rather watch the Lions in the postseason, you know, but obviously, like you say, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that Giants Commanders rematch. They might fall just short because they may yeah. be left one or two weeks too late, um, you know, but it, it's been a really excellent end to the season. And I said a few weeks ago, Dan Campbell needs some wins. You know, it's all well and good. I think everybody liked Dan Campbell and everybody liked his philosophy and, you know, his, his press conferences and all the rest of it, but. He's got a few wins now, and that's the important thing. Because I think now any sort of fears that he might be on his way out are probably put to bed, Steve. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think you 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 nailed it on the head there when you said that they've probably left it a little bit too late. Unfortunately, the to get into the playoff picture in the NFC side of things, seven and five is the record of the Seahawks, um, and they're five and seven. So even if they go, let's say let's say we're optimistic and they go four and one the rest of the season, that puts the Lions at nine and eight and the Seahawks are already seven and five. So, you know, um, three more wins of the Seahawks getting over them and, and they've got to beat the Giants and the, the you know, the commanders. And so I just don't know if they've, if they've left it a little bit too late. Um, but yeah, this line seems exciting. I think they, in the, in the off season, they need to go heavy on the defense. They need to invest in the defense and, and learn to stop teams because they've had so many games this season where they've lost because the defense just cannot shut down a team. But this was obviously a, a Jacksonville team that just, you know, didn't seem to come to play on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, the Detroit Lions didn't punt once, not a single punt in the entire game. Um, and I think this is really is an exciting team. And like you say, there's, they've got weapons. They've, you know, they've still got the um, the receiver they picked up in the first round, whose name escapes me, who's who's tore his ACL, Jameson Williams, um, and he tore his ACL in his in his, in his uh, last year at college and hasn't played a snap yet because he hasn't been activated off off IR. Um, and he's still to come back. They've got Amon Ross and Brown, they've got DJ Shark, who's a, who's a good receiver. And then on the Russian side of the ball, they've got DeAndre Swift, who I think has gone very much under the radar this year. I don't think he's had quite as good as year he did last year, but he's a great back. I think, you know, Jared Goff is possibly not the quarterback to lead them into the future, but they're certainly an exciting team. And, you know, if I'm a Lions fan, I've definitely reasons to be optimistic, which they've not had many of over the last sort of decade. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned the Seahawks. Let's go there next. They defeat the Rams by a score of... I've just lost the score. There it is, 27 points to 23. Um, it was a game that was probably more competitive than most people felt it was going to be, um, you know, with all of the injury issues that currently surround the Rams. John Wolford getting the start at quarterback this week. Um, he even had to come out for a play or two and Bryce Perkins came in, but ultimately Wolford did get back into the game. 
Um, but like I say, probably more competitive than most people thought it would have been. 367 more yards through the air, though. Josh for Geno Smith, three touchdowns. Um, became a nice little sideshow, the battle between DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey. I think it's safe to say DK Metcalf won that one with eight out of eight receptions for 127 yards and a touchdown, complemented by Tyler Lockett with 128 yards and a touchdown of his own. Those two continue to be an exceptionally good pair. Um, but yeah, like I said, probably more competitive than most people thought, but a good win for the Seahawks, all things considered. Oh, massively. And the fact that they actually had the... Uh, the fortitude to be able to come back from behind late and be able to do it. This was one of which I was watching quite intently, uh, especially as it pertained to my ACA quite late as well. Um, I had the uh, the Seahawks to win this one, mainly because of the Walford of it all. I felt that he did all right, but it was uh, the run game that kept the Rams interested. 175 uh, yards on the ground and from you know, four different sources, you know, Akers, Powell, Wolford himself got 29 yards and then Chitarius Atwell as well got 23 uh, hard-earned yards as well. Um, So, you know, the Rams were able to put it on the ground and the Seahawks were just majestic in the air. You know, know, Geno Smith has been a bit of a revelation, but it also helps the fact that they actually have some pretty great weapons as well. You know, Lockett, Metcalf, Fant, you know, Disley's Good for a um, good for a couple of catches a game at least, and then you got Marquis Goodwin as well. You know who? Um, you know, I remember, I remember him being all the rage not too uh, in not too distant past. So you know they, they've definitely got a lot of good players there to plug in for a potential playoff run. You know they are not a million miles away from being able to um, patch together a run here. And realistically, they deserve it. And it's games like this that do it. Yes, the Rams are three and nine. Yes, they've got quarterback issues. But they still have good players, and you still have to beat them on the day. And being able to beat them, you know, at their house and, you know, in relatively, I wouldn't, assured manner is probably the right word. You know, they definitely felt quite assured just running the clock and being very calm. I felt that, like the Seahawks on that final drive, they were very calm. They knew what they were going to do. You, you know, you, you could have told me that Russell Wilson was under center and this was like three, four years ago, you know, in you know typical Seahawks dominant sort of days because there was just that, that aura of, yeah, they've got this handled and, you know, Another win there, and they're in a good place at the moment, the Seahawks, Gino Smith. They are. I'm glad you clarified that with Russell Wilson of three or four years ago, because they certainly wouldn't want Russell Wilson of this season. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. I I made very, very sure to put in that little caveat. (laughs) The Seahawks have now won twice so far this season. They've beat both LA teams (laughs) so far this season. So there you go. Is that more times than the Rams this year? Probably, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm now running through the fixture list to see <laughs> if that's right there's one there's two they've matched the rams oh, there you go there that's you an go. incredible statistic there you go yeah. live statistics here on the full <laughs> <laughs> continuing to punch above the weight though i think that's that's safe to say and certainly they'll be nipping away at uh, san francisco's hills they'll obviously be hoping that any quarterback drama that happens down the road will play into their hands 
Uh, it'd be good to see Seattle in the postseason, though. I think they pretty much are a lock, considering all things with the schedule and the remaining games between the NFC East amongst themselves. I think Seattle will probably definitely be there. Uh, team that is definitely there. I think it's confirmed now, isn't it, Steve? The Eagles, 11-1, actually confirmed in the playoffs yet? Or is it still not confirmed because of the Dallas? No, not yet. I think... Um... There was a few teams I had to lose and none of them did. I think the Vikings and the Niners had both had to lose and neither of them did. So, no, not yet. I think next week is the week that they can finally confirm that they are in. But no, not not confirmed just yet. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get one stage further. I will confirm it because there's not a chance they won't get there. Um, they improved to 11-1 and one best record. Steve's not having it. Steve's still shaking his head. <laughs> If you'd have said going into this game that this game was going to feature 30 rushing yards only from Derrick Henry and only 67 from the Philadelphia Eagles team combined, you'd have thought somebody was stark raving mad. But it was a game absolutely lit up by Jalen Hurts through the air. 380 yards, three touchdowns. Any talk at the early part of the season where people were sort of half sort of saying, oh, maybe he should be in the MVP conversation. I hope that everybody is definitely in on that train now. He should definitely be under consideration for it um, because this was another phenomenally good performance. AJ Brown comes back to haunt his old team as he was always going to, wasn't he? Two touchdowns, eight receptions for 119 yards. Devonta Smith over 100 yards. And, you know, we've said this for a while now, Steve, about the Titans as well. So, obviously, let you have your, your little victory parade on your own team. But we've said that the Titans, again, appear to be the seed that everybody would want to play yet again, probably in the NFC. I mean, it may well be that, uh, sorry, in the AFC. Um, and, and that may well appear to be the case again, because they dropped to seven and five, still comfortably leading that division. But again, you know, they're, they're really... You have to question whether or not they're actually any good in terms of you know really competing at the business end of the season. Yeah, there's a blueprint to beat the Titans, and it's easier, far easier said than done because one of the steps of that blueprint involves stopping Derrick Henry, which is far easier said than done because um, Derrick Henry is a machine and he's an absolute monster and he can tear up teams and put 200 yards up on the ground himself. But the Eagles did stop Derrick Henry, and they got him into in they got the Titans into third and long situations by putting their two big nose tackles up, Jordan Davis and Nimble Joseph, who's been excellent, by the way, since the Eagles picked him up on the waiver wire. Um, um, and they, you know, um, restricted him to 30 yards on the ground. So that puts the Tennessee Titans into third and long situations. And Tannehill just could not get out of it. They, they could not beat the Eagles secondary. Um, the Eagles defense is so good in the secondary, as it seems. You know, they lost CJ Gardner-Johnson to, to injured reserve this week. And that didn't seem to play a part. They, they just kept packed up and carried on um, and they just looked completely unfazed by it but the story of this game like you said is Jalen Hurts he, he was absolutely superb the last team to rush for 350 yards one week and then the following week pass for 350 yards was the 87 Raiders that's how long ago that stat has it's been since someone's done that and that just shows you how versatile this Eagles team is because I think you look around the league and you look at teams like the Chiefs, like the Bills, like the Bengals, like the, like the Cowboys. They are good at certain things. You know, the Chiefs are good at passing the ball. They give the ball to Mahomes and he does things with it. They've got weapons on the, on the you know, um, around the field. The Bengals, again, you look at Joe Burrow and you look at the receivers he's got. They, they're really, really good at passing the ball. Um, the Seagulls team are good at it all. 
Their, their rushing game is excellent. Their passing game is excellent. Their defense is really good. Boston Blazers might let them down in special teams. We'll, we won't talk about that. Um, but yeah, this was a real, real mature performance from Jalen. This is the best performance I've seen him put in. He was commanding that field like a like a ten year veteran. Like he, that's one of the best passing performances I've ever seen from an Eagles quarterback. He looked poised. He looked in control. Some of the throws he was making were excellent. Um, the contested catches by Devonta Smith, by AJ Brown were superb. Um, he just looked completely in control. And if this Eagles team is the Eagles team that, show up and that shows up in the playoffs, I don't know who beats them. I really don't. Because this was a dominant performance. This was an Eagles team that is ready to go deep, that is ready to, to put some hard yards in. An interesting tidbit as well, because the Eagles have picked up so many defensive linemen and they have this defensive lineman rotation, um, there were uh, they, they threw the ball 39 times um, uh, in, on the offense, and the uh, the Tennessee Titans rushed the ball 21 times on their on their offense. Um, the most snaps taken by a single Eagles defensive lineman was 28. Now most teams at defensive linemen, you'd think it'd be in the 30s, maybe the 40s. But more snaps by a single lineman was 28. That shows that they've got a rotation going and the guys are going to be healthy and ready to go when it comes to the playoffs, which point most teams are beginning to suffer and beginning to feel the 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 heat of a 17, 18, 19 game season. So that's where I'm starting to get a bit more quietly confident. And um, if this if the, if the NFC route to the Super Bowl runs through Philadelphia, I don't know who beats them because this team is excellent at home this year and I, I really don't think anyone can beat them there. Yeah, would tend to agree. Like you say, another week and another impressive performance. Um, yeah, like I say, certainly I think as many questions around Tennessee as there are answers there around how good the Eagles are. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Tennessee can get back um, in the win column. Last game that we have left, and just by chance that it happens to be the last game that we've left, I've just gone through them all and thought I'd left the Eagles till last, but I haven't. It's the Chargers and the Raiders. Um, the Chargers dropped to 6-6, six and six, losing this one 27-20 to the Vegas Raiders, who've now won three in a row. All of a sudden, so seeming to have a little bit of chemistry, all of a sudden, between Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs continues to play well. I think there'll be some questions as to whether or not they should have picked up his fifth-year option, but you can certainly understand at the time why they didn't, but certainly... Josh Jacobs playing himself, I would suggest, into a very nice contract somewhere, whether it be with the Raiders or elsewhere. He went off to the tune of another 144 yards in this one. As I say, he drops the charges, Josh, to six and six. Um, yes, they've had a lot of injuries. Again, it seems as though they often get hampered by injuries. But this is a team that is so talented in terms of the quarterback, in terms of the wide receiver position. Um, you know, got an excellent running back in terms of Austin Eckler. And we said in the off-season, didn't we? And let's be honest, this whole AFC West has really been quite disappointing this year. As much as we hyped it and everybody hyped it pre-season, there's only one team with a winning record now, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. Who'd have thought that? We were talking at the start of the season, weren't we, about is there any possibility that all four could get in? And we thought... <laughs> We thought anything that would stop that was the head-to-heads against each other as much as anything else. Um, but the Broncos have been beyond awful. The Raiders, like so, have shown a bit of life. But the Chargers, let's let's talk about them. Six and six, as I say. Is it time? Is it time to start questioning Brandon Staley and whether or not he's actually on the hot seat already? 
see, I, I, I look at that and I, I do think about their situation quite a bit. And I do wonder what if, you know, I do think he's been dealt a poor hand this year. And in fact, I look at the comparisons to the Browns last year. You know, you, you hear all the, uh, you know, the hype around them last year and the hype around the Chargers this year seems almost identical, especially when you talk about talent acquisition. Then you look at the injuries, you look at the fact that the division supposed to be, you know, we remember that the AFC North was one of those which they said that, you know, pretty much everyone could have ended up in the playoffs and then everyone seems to have fallen off bit by bit to where it was only the Bengals and the Bengals were not in the conversation really. And they ended up being the ones of which uh, took it by storm. Um, you, you know, so you start looking at, at those similarities and you think, well, would you have said that Stefanski was on the hot seat last year, for example? And I don't think that you would. You know, Herbert has been personally battling with injuries as well. And, you know, I think that there is still something niggling underneath the surface and, you know, it's affecting him as well. You know, the weapons, he just does not have the same slate of weapons. You know, Mike Williams is a massive loss, you know, Keenan Allen can't do it all on his own. Um, you know, you're basically having to use, um, you know, rushers as gadget players, essentially. You know, Ke- um, Austin Eckler ended up making five receptions on the day as well as his 10 carries. It just ends up throwing everything out of whack. So I'm, I am prepared to give them a, a mulligan this year. Um, I think that if it continues to be an issue next year, then you'd start raising questions, of course. But let's talk about the Raiders for a second. The Raiders are two players right now. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. That's all that there is. These stats are ridiculous. Josh Jacobs runs for 144 yards after 26 carries. And Devontae Adams makes 177 yards off eight receptions. Nobody else is even uh, the, the the next impactful player on offense is Mac Hollins, who makes thirty five yards of five receptions. <laughs> Foster Moreau made one catch for thirty two yards, and then you just see six and six four and zero. That's all you've got on offense, and it's all about the defense with um, the rate. You know, Chandler Jones is pretty much the only person that makes any sort of impact on the box score with three sacks. And realistically, you know, it's what else is there? <laughs> How have the Raiders done it? Lockdown Adams, lockdown Jacobs. Have have two guys on Adams and load the box. Yeah, done. Cool. <laughs> it's easier said than done with Adams, though. I think he's starting. Of course to come it is. Of course it. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But you mentioned earlier, Sean, you were talking about the Lions, and they are they have the same record as the Raiders do at the moment. They're both five and seven. And I would put it to you, could the Raiders sneak in? Because their remaining schedule is at the Rams, and we all know how terrible the Rams have been this year, versus the Patriots, at the Steelers, versus the 49ers, that they finish versus the Chiefs. There's a tough last couple of games, but stranger things have happened. I slated the Raiders for the first like 10 weeks of this podcast, but slowly but surely they've 
put some things together and maybe uh, McDaniels is actually not as bad a head coach as I was putting him out to be? Or is it just a case that, that Devontae Adams has bailed them out again and actually, no, they'll finish the season with... There are two free players. There's only three players that play for the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I think the They're interesting one thing injury on... away from implosion. I think the interesting thing on that point, Steve, in terms of the playoff races, in terms of the AFC... It feels very much as though it's teams now probably playing for one spot, because I think I think the Dolphins are definitely going to get there. Um, depending on what happens with Lamar Jackson, you would assume the Ravens will do enough to stay there. Um, but you look at the the other teams that are in that chase at the moment, and the teams that are leading that chase at the moment are the Jets who, you know, we've said some question marks about them. You know, like you said earlier, they've lost, you know, a couple of games recently. So they're seemingly trending the wrong way. The New England Patriots are then the sort of one on the bubble looking in. They're trending the wrong way. That offence seems to have hit pedestrian status. Mac Jones was obviously, you know, not happy last week. And, you know, you've not got any faith that the Patriots are going to blow teams away. We've just talked about the Chargers. They're next in line. And, you know, again, like I say, lost three of the last four when you you know when you think that they've got something sorted they've had gone on a loss the three teams that are then behind them are the raiders the browns and the steelers and they're all teams at the minute that are trending in the right direction you know in terms of the raiders have won three in a row the browns have won a couple of games back to back now and obviously they're expecting you know deshaun watson to improve things we'll wait and see whether he does and pittsburgh have won three of the last four so it's a strange situation because it almost feels like the teams at the top of that chase are almost clinging on and the teams that are coming on the rail so to speak are, are coming up with pace but like i say this at this stage of the season you know, we could be sitting here next week and once at one result and all of a sudden it all looks totally different, doesn't it? On that, let me put it to this way. Let, let's finish on this. Let me put it to this, this to both of you as AFC fans. So after the next two weeks, let's assume that the Jets lose two and go to 7-7. Seven seven. The Patriots go 1-1, 7-7. One one, seven seven. The Chargers go 1-1, 7-7. One one, seven seven. The Raiders win two, 7-7. Seven seven. The Browns win two, 7-7. Seven seven. You have five teams in the AFC, seven and seven, all fighting for one playoff spot. Let's assume that the Dolphins improve and they get in. Um, let's assume that there's one spot up for grabs. Who takes it? You've got Jets, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders, Browns. Who takes the last spot? Right. Not being a homer here, but if the Browns beat the Bengals and the Ravens to go seven and seven, they are riding that train all the way. They'll, they'll run the table the rest of the way if they win those two games. It'll be hard to disagree, and again, not saying that as a homer, but you look at the remaining schedule, you then have the Commanders, the Saints, and the Steelers for the Browns. So, yeah. But, look, like I said, lots of football to be played between now and then. Look, so I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Baltimore in terms of um, Lamar Jackson, as we say. Uh, but, there, look, we, we joked last week the season starts after Thanksgiving, but it, it's starting to get really tasty all of a sudden, isn't it? And like I say, this weekend... There'll be plenty of clinching scenarios. There'll be plenty of results that have massive impacts on the, um, you know, the, the seedings and who drops into the race and who's on the outside looking in, all of that kind of good stuff. So it really is uh, the time of year to start getting excited. We've obviously got Monday Night Football tonight, and it's still a huge game, isn't it, between the Bucks and the Saints because of the the records involved. You know, if the Saints win that, all of a sudden they're back in, in terms of conversation for the playoffs, which is ridiculous considering that win would move them to, what is it, five and eight or something crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, really, really 
bonkers. But yeah, that's uh, that's to come cool. tonight. And then in terms of games for next week, like I say, the um, there's plenty to look forward to. Lions Vikings is a really tasty one in the early window. Can Detroit continue this momentum? Um, we saw the Vikings stumble the other week against a really good Dallas side. Can a Lions offense that's really potent cause them similar issues? Um, so that'll be a really good one in the early window. Um, there's two big AFC North games, both divisional games, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, um, in terms of those playoff implications that we talked about, particularly at the top of that division. You know, can both the Bengals and the Ravens get wins? Bills and Jets, another huge divisional game as well in the early window. Seems to be lots of good ones, doesn't there, in that early window? And then in the late window, um, you've got the 49ers and the Buccaneers, who will be quarterback for the 49ers by then. We shall wait and see. And Sunday night football is Chargers Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, lots and lots to look forward to. And then the following week, we're obviously getting into Saturday games. So, you know, that Christmas is very much around the corner once we get to that. Right, fellas, I think that does us for the week. Um, it's been a really good week. Lots of good games. Lots and lots of talking points as usual. We'll be back next week to discuss them all. It might be a different three-man crew next week because I know a certain someone has his Christmas party. Um, so what I'll say is you'll probably hear me and Steve, but you probably won't hear Josh, but we shall confirm the lineup as we get uh, into next week. There'll definitely be a crew here, though. As I said earlier at the start, massive thank you to everybody that does tune in and listen. Make sure you share, subscribe, rate us on Spotify, Apple, all of those good things. It does make a massive, massive difference, uh, particularly if you're all the way over in New Zealand, because I've got to be honest, I don't know anybody over there to come and speak to. So if you can spread the word for me, that would be very, very much appreciated. Keep it all things full 10 yards. You'll have all your regular stuff throughout the rest of the week, the betting podcast, the go for two lads and all of that good stuff. Until then, we shall catch you next week on the full 10 yards NFL podcast.